Hey, what's up, guys? This is Gavin Shaw. Today, I'm lucky enough to be joined by DJ Zula, one of the best followers on Nick's Twitter, to break down a miserable game against the Brooklyn Nets, but it's worth listening to because DJ has some fantastic insights, including what is going wrong with Emmanuel quickly, how Julius Randle, despite hot shooting, sabotaged the Knicks from the start in this one, and whether Evan Fournier needs to be banished to the shadow realm. All that and more right now on Locked on Knicks. You are locked on Knicks. Your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, and today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. And we want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today. And every day we're now available on all platforms, and that includes on YouTube. But who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Schull, a play-by-play broadcaster. Uh, normally I'd be joined by Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland, but he went to the game. He watched it in person. He was probably tortured by the fact I was not about to make him relive that massacre. So I'm lucky enough to be joined by DJ Zulo. You can follow him on Twitter at Ace Zulo. That A C E underscore Z U L L O. Uh, just just one of the best. A keen observer of the Knicks, master of shot mechanics, and uh, he helps me get into everything that went down tonight. So without further ado, let's talk about it right now on Locked On Knicks. All right, guys, as promised, we are joined by DJ Zulo. Uh, you can check him out on Twitter at Ace underscore Zulo. And uh, as, as mentioned before, you can see his new YouTube channel. All you got to do is type in The Craft MBA. DJ, thanks for joining me, man. We were talking about a pre-show. We wish it could have been on a better night, but, but I'm happy to have some good company to, to uh, enjoy this misery with. There you go. You know, I, I planned on thanking you for having me, but I was forced to actually sit and watch the entire game. And typically, you know, that game's yeah. off by the third quarter and I'm getting some sleep. But, you know, someone's got to uh, put out the content for the the fans out there to listen. So I'm actually happy to be here. So thanks for uh, having me on. I was going to say you're the lucky victim tonight. Um, <laughs> uh, but let's let, let's start off with the very beginning. These things mm. went terribly uh, pretty much from the opening tip and. I can't say I'm surprised because almost nothing about this team surprises me, but Mm -hmm. given where both these franchises are at, given that the Knicks had never won a game against the Nets under Tom Thibodeau, I expected them to come out with their hair on fire, like like carrying over some momentum from the Timberwolves game, and, and it was just the complete opposite. Yeah, and I, I feel like right off the bat, the game got out of hand, and I don't know, I think they started out where you had Brunson and Randall going for a lot of ISO opportunities. Like the first few possessions, possessions it was a Brunson miss floater, a Randall miss three. A uh, Barrett got a couple of free throws and another Randall missed three, another uh, Randall missed uh, short mid-range shot. And then it was just kind of downhill from there. And I think once uh, Brunson and Randall, I'm going to kind of put the onus on them to start. I think once they got into that ISO trying to handle this on a one-on-one basis, the offense really bogged down. And then that kind of steamrolled into the the defense just not being there in the first like quarter and a half, uh, quarter and a um and maybe three quarters, but I think once the the game started out that way, it really started to to kind of steamroll in the wrong direction. And I really put the blame on 
Randall and Brunson, I think those two guys just kind of set the wrong tone, didn't get their teammates involved, a lot of turnovers, and they really couldn't get, obviously, um, make up for that deficit early on. And that was uh, kind of where the game started, and it didn't really get much better after that. Yeah, I'm I'm in total agreement. I, I think the worst Randall games often come after the best Randall games, where mm-hmm. we're the most dangerous thing in the world for him is to have a night where he hits eight threes and, and him to have, I guess, that renewed confidence is like, Oh no, wait, I am that guy from two years ago. I almost forgot. Yeah. Let me, let me go show that again. And it was, it was just bad process from him all first half. Like e- even in the second quarter when he got a little hot and I think e- even in the first quarter, didn't he have like 15 points or something? Like he, yeah. he like nominally was, was scoring well and yet you could see it falling apart. And then in the second quarter, I mean, he had this one drive late where he just had absolutely no idea where he was going. He kind of, he passed up a wide open cam reddish on the right wing, just crashed mm. his way into the lane, uh, spun around, threw it away, led to a Joe Harris three on the other end. And that wasn't really atypical from him in the first half where to me, it's just, I, it's, I, I kind of feel the same way about him and RJ where they're at their best when they're not trying to do too much. And, and this mm. game was defined by him trying to do too much on offense and, and not really yeah. do much of anything on defense. Yeah, and I, I tweeted that it was one of the worst 15-point first quarters you can see because um, he had 15 points, but it was, like as you mentioned, bad process. And he was fine when he was just catching the ball and letting it fly in a catch-and-shoot scenario, but anytime he was putting the ball on the floor and dribbling for more than three or four times, it was a disaster waiting to happen. And, you know, the Knicks are not blessed with a lot of great cutters on this uh, team right now, and Randall isn't a great passer, so it's a – it's that mix of not having uh, guys that can move off the ball and then Randall not having that acumen to find those uh, cutters that Durant did time and time again during uh, the basketball game. It really kind of um, uh, hamstrung them. And then Barrett, I think, you know, he did force things, especially in the second quarter. But I almost felt like he was such an after afterthought in the first quarter that he he tried to get his a little bit too much in the second. Um, he played a terrible game as well, but I just feel like Brunson and Randall needed to kind of get him involved a little bit and and not just treat him as a guy that's in a space the floor and be a, a catch and shoot guy from the from the corner. He needed to be more involved, and that's obviously a, a coaching situation as well. But I think RJ forcing it was more a product of the fact that he may have only had like two or three shots in that first quarter and just wasn't part of the offense. I think it's a difficult balancing act for Jalen Brunson that he's still trying to figure out. I mean, after operating for large swaths of his NBA careers as nominally not the primary ball handler mm-hmm. in a lot of lineups and and early season, it felt like he wasn't aggressive enough most right. of the time. And I, I was calling for him to take more shots. And I was kind of disgusted when you get to halftime at Evan Fournier would have 12 shots and then Jalen right. would have four or five. Um, and and that's, that's flipped a little bit and mostly for the better, but it just, it wasn't always quality attempts from like, especially in in the, like I'll flash to the third quarter for Brunson where he got mm-hmm. fouled on that one three, but then just came back down and, and bricked two threes without yeah. pretty, without really any ball movement. And it was mm-hmm. almost like he was trying to hero ball the Knicks back into the game. And I think it's still a little bit of acclimation process for him to, to be kind of like, like a Chris Paul esque. All right. Sure. I am going to make sure I get everyone going because even when he was at Villanova, like he, he did a little bit of that, but it was almost like it, it was a team that was defined by its collective passing and he could blend into that a little bit more. And now he is, it's not even playmaking responsibility. I, th- I think you did a good job summing it up. It, it's almost like, like confidence responsibility mm-hmm. and like an acclimation responsibility to everyone else on the court. And, and, and that that's a process. And I think that'll come with time. So with him, I'm, I'm almost, I mean, for, for obvious reasons, but I'm more confident with him than Randall that that'll kind of resolve itself. And like, this was kind of like a yeah. fluky bad night in that sense. 
Yeah, I agree with you. And he's, as you mentioned, he's wired to score. And I think a lot of his, um, the way he makes teammates better is just that he's, he has such gravity as an offensive player. Um, but there are times where, you know, he's not Chris Paul and he's not a guy that's going to, um, necessarily do a great job of getting his teammates involved but just not that who he is as a basketball player and that doesn't take away from the fact that he's been a great signing so far and he's had a, a really fantastic start to his Nick career but these are just one of those occasions where that start of that game there was a lot of ISO from him a lot of ISO from Randall and it just set a really bad tone for that game and you know national TV it's a it's a marquee matchup you're playing one of the best players on the planet I can see how you players can get involved in that one-on-one matchup especially Randall, um, you just w- would hope that Brunson, the next time this happens, that he has that first inclination to maybe make sure his teammates are are part of the action because I, I think for a guy like Barrett, he, he struggles when he doesn't have that feeling that he's he's got his, his rhythm going. And I feel like he tried to force his way, and that's where Barrett gets into trouble, where he's really forcing things and trying to, to get his in a way that's not necessarily in the flow, where he's forcing shots at the rim. And it, it, it really set him up for a bad effort overall. Do you think there was anything Tibbs could have done in this game or, or just going forward to create more flow in that starting lineup? And, 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 and maybe the answer is as simple as to shake up the starters. Because I, I know at the very least with, with Randall, I think Hartenstein just does, does wonders for him. I mean, uh, you, you flash back uh, two nights ago to, I think it was that Celtics game. Might have, might have been the Sixers one. But Randall had this, this great backdoor cut where it was um, RJ throwing it into Hartenstein. Randall just shot in, got a layup. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think he's more incentivize off ball when when there is like kind of a central hub that'll get it to him and sure. like like where he like actually it's like because someone to play off of him with sims like I, I maybe rightfully like he doesn't really have those inclinations um or, or is there is there anything else they can do to make that adjustment because we've seen this lineup especially with reddish in there there are stretches mm-hmm. where they play really beautiful basketball but it's it just not consistent yeah and um i was listening to the strickland and they were talking about how the fact that you maybe you want to get um switch up the starting lineup once Mitch gets healthy because I think Mitchell Robinson also has that same issue where you're not going to get a lot of um, ability where him catching the ball and he's going to make his teammates better and we know Sims isn't that guy so possibly getting Hartenstein in the game can open things up and just just start the flow maybe just play off him a little bit to start the game and which will just kind of force feed the movement and the off-ball cutting a little bit Um, but I think part of the issue this team has as presently constituted is that they're you know they're two of their three best players, Randall and Barrett are not great off ball players. They kind of need the ball in their hands and, and, and make plays in that scenario. So it's, it's really without a great cutter, without someone that can bend a defense in a way where you could do it without the ball in your hands or are spacing out on the floor. I think they can struggle a little bit getting into these ISO situations because they just have to get offense sometimes in a way that looks a little more um, forced or ragged because they just don't have that natural movement, which might be more of a product of the talent on the team, but it's probably something, you know, the lack, lack of imagine, imaginative thought from the coach. Um, I'm not smart enough to figure out a way to, to get this team to a way where they can maybe move a little more off the ball and, and play a more free flowing game. But I think it's probably more on the side of a talent issue. And it's quite possible a guy like Hartenstein just brings a certain element that can help them. Um, now I do think you're giving up so much on the defense uh, with yeah. him in, direct comparison with uh, Mitchell Robinson that I'm a little hesitant to make that move myself at this point. If we're talking maybe 10 or 15 games down the line, once Mitch is back and you really see that this offense isn't working, you want to make that change. I'm up for uh, giving it a try, but right now 
I just think you're probably going to give up too much on the defensive end, but uh, it's going to get to the point where, uh, you know, offensively, they're going to have to figure out a way to, to make this a little more smoother. And, you know, I don't necessarily trust uh, Tibbs to, to make that move himself, but maybe it's a, a switch in the, on the um, uh, offensive side to get a more, you know, high level offensive player like Hartenstein in there. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've I've talked about it uh, a couple of times, so I won't belabor the point, but I'm of the opinion we, we should be getting almost exclusively Obi Mitch minutes and, and Randall Hartenstein minutes just because you, you have a little bit more of a balance, and like obviously Obi shooting and and his ability to just, which, which we saw tonight and we can talk about more in a little bit, just to move the ball quickly, make make simple passes, be a connector, uh, makes a lot more sense around a, a rim bound center and, and the fact that he's, he's the best three point shooter on the Knicks and it's not really close. Right. And he's, he's consistently 40% from three now, but we can talk about that in a sec. We will take our first break and then we'll be right back on locked on Knicks. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be a hundred percent certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. I know LinkedIn is the place I go when I'm job hunting, when, when I'm trying to find my next gig in the sports broadcasting industry. It, it's, it's an incredible platform because there are always people looking to looking for work. And there's no place better in the world that connects the people looking and uh, the people who want to be looked at. So all you have to do is add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, we're back on Locked On Knicks. Uh, DJ, I want to I want to talk uh, Emmanuel quickly with you because this was uh, unfortunately, uh, I mean, pr- pretty much the story of the season encapsulated in one game again. Uh, one for I can't even see it with the glare of my laptop. One for eight from the field, mm-hmm. worse than I thought. Zero for six from three in this game. Did have four rebounds. Did have four assists. I, I thought a couple of really good moments defensively and. Um, and there, I, I saw it, um, I think, from the Analytics uh, account, but like their numbers out there paint him as a top five defender in the NBA right now. He's been ridiculously mm. good on that end, ridiculously disruptive. But you are you are something of a shot doctor. Um, yeah. What what's going on with his shot right now, or, or is it is it just as simple as as he's missing and he's yeah. cold and, and he's a guy who's had really cold stretches throughout his career and things will yeah. normalize over a large enough sample size. Yeah, and I've tried to to because he was such a a more fluid looking shooter um, in my estimation, just kind of watching the eye test his rookie season. But when you break down and just do a side-by-side of him taking a three-pointer catch and shoot today versus his rookie season, that really isn't much mechanically that's different. So I really think it, 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 it might be just a small sample size variant thing or a confidence thing. I don't understand it. Um, there was, he had about three or four wide open shots tonight that weren't necessarily that close. And I know his defense has been great. And I've tweeted this out. I think he's been a fantastic defensive player. He's actually doing a much better job of getting into passing lanes this season to go along with the fact that he's usually in the right spot. And he's strong enough now where he doesn't get pushed off his his spot as um, easily as he has in the past. So his defense is a legitimate skill. And it's something that is going to keep him on the floor. But if you're not, if he's not shooting great, and we know he's not a guy that's going to pressure the rim that often – then you really have to question like what is the ultimate ceiling here um i definitely you know, i'm not suggesting for a second that he's should be out of the rotation i think he needs to play and probably play more i just 
know that he's going to have to start making shots in a more consistent basis. And I can't figure out for the life of me what the cause of these misses are. Um, because again, mechanically, I don't see any change from his rookie or sophomore uh, season in, um, with this club. So I think I'm hoping that's more of a just small sample size and it's all going to even out as you alluded to. But I do know that he's going to have to start making some shots and this isn't, he can't hold his own as a, a, a defensive player when you're, you know, six, three, you know, granted he has the longer wingspan, but you're, you're not going to impact the game on such a level where you can be a low thirties, three point shooter and, and, and still be a, a quality starter. I think, you know, if, if his ceiling d- drops a little bit, if he's not going to be a, a high 30 shooter on volume from deep. So Definitely something to, to keep an eye on. And then you have Derek Rose, who's been the first guard off, guard off the bench. You know, he's in a terrible shooting slump and just doesn't look like he has the same juice or pop this season, which is a concerning point. So the Knicks are just not getting great guard play right now on a consistent basis off the bench from the, the lead guard position. So that's definitely a concern because you need, you, you know, Rose was such an integral part that his um, you know, tips first year and we need quickly just to play better because right now without Brunson in the game, they're not getting quality, consistent minutes from that lead uh, guard position. Yeah, I think with quickly, it, it's a number of things. I mean, the other element that has really disappointed me is that he became elite at getting to the foul line in the second half of last year. And that is looking more and more like small sample size theater, where I think post All Star mm-hmm. break, this, this sounds ridiculous, but I'm pretty sure this is the number. He was like 98th percentile amongst point guards he was at, great at, at getting to the yeah. line. He was finishing at the rim much better. Um, he, he was getting much easier separation from opposing guards. And it, it got to the point where he looked like borderline unguardable. It's like, again, yeah. against bad competition and end of the season. He was playing at the string, like whatever qualifiers you want to sure. throw on it. It was such a distinct departure from yeah. where he struggled early in his career that to me, like I was enormously high on him coming into the season. Like I, I was making arguments that he was like the Knicks best young prospect, even, even over mm-hmm. RJ. And that has, I mean, offensively to your point, not played out. And I think there's just, there's a distinct discomfort with him where it looks like he never quite finds the right balance between like aggressiveness and like, and, and just moving the ball along where, where there's sometimes like he, he's open from 25 feet. And as a rookie, he would have just jacked that or not, not even as a rookie, like later in his rookie year. Yeah. Like, and when he got hot his sophomore year, he would have just jacked that. And, and now he's like, he's pausing, he's waiting for a defender. He's taking yeah. two dribbles. Like he had a play tonight where he did exactly that and ended with him setting a moving screen on Jalen Brunson's man. Because he, he was, you could tell he was just, he's like, I got to do something positive. Like I got to well, figure is- something out. In his defense, I think he might be because he had a lot more on ball reps the second half of last year. And I think when you're running so many pick and rolls, you're going to generate a lot more looks. Um, You're just going to it's not going to be as tough for him to to get his own offense. I think he was much more comfortable in that scenario because he knew that, um, you know, when he had when guys went under the screen, he can pull up when he can. You know, he was able to get downhill a little better with that that use of the screen where now he's you know, guys are closing out hard on him and then he's got to figure out a way to get by them, you know, in a pseudo ISO situation. And that's just not his game. And, you know, he's got a low release point. It's not Trey Young quick, so he doesn't have a great opportunity to, to make a lot of contested threes, which has always been kind of like the one thing with him that's always been a, a concern where. You know, when you're small, like a Darius Garland or um, Trey Young, who I mentioned, and you have a quick release, you can get away with that shorter, um, you know, shooting. When you have a quick release, you can get away with the fact that you're not releasing in, on a, a high range. But when you're quickly, you don't have a terribly quick release and the, and you have a low release. It just those two things coming together prevents him from really making a lot of contested looks. And I think he's gun shy when guys 
close out on him hard. And then at that point, he's got to make a play with the ball in his hands. And it's just not where he's at its best. He's at his best. So I think that the fact that last year, more pick and roll opportunities, he was able to to find that balance where this year, you know, he's playing a lot with Derrick Rose, some with Jalen Brunson. He's playing off ball most of the time. And I think that has been a detriment to him, not only for his production, but probably his uh, his the fact that his development might be stunted a little bit. The fact that, you know, I wanted to see more on ball looks and I'm sure, you know, you, you feel the same way, you know, he looked good last year doing it and he hasn't done much of it this year. And I think that's been kind of a disappointment for me um, so far. No, I I think it's a fantastic observation because last year, the the big weird stat with him was that he was much worse on catch and shoot threes than he was Mm -hmm. off the dribble. But I think his rhythm is just much better off the dribble. I, I don't think his release time is bad when it's off the dribble. I think on the catch, to your point, like yeah, I guess it's I, you. You would know better than I would, but maybe maybe it's something with how like he gathers like off the dribble versus on a catch. But it just it doesn't look as natural. Um, yeah, and I agree. You, you can see the gears turning on, mm-hmm. on closeouts a lot. I mean, I, I think that's what I was trying to get to, and, and you did a great job of explaining. Like it's just like he, it's not it's not very natural for him at this point. Maybe that's because he yeah. spent a whole year getting those on ball reps. And to me, preseason, I was looking at the opposite way where I was like, all right, he, he was really good with the training wheels taken off. Now he gets Derek Rose back. The training wheels go back on. He, he's already, he's already mastered two wheels. Mm-hmm. Dave. He's going to be right. great like this. And, yeah. and instead it's just, it's a different type of role. It's, it's a different type of game. And it's one that he hasn't cleanly acclimated to. Like I would love to see, especially, especially if like, if the Knicks don't switch up the starting lineup, he's playing with Hardenstein. It would be great to see him and Obi run pick and roll all game. And we, I, I think that's been one of my bigger disappointments of the bench this year is that Obi hasn't been used a ton as a dive big, even though you have a guy who, who can at least like nominally space the floor in Hartenstein. Mm-hmm. And to me, like when I was looking at this lineup and, and saying like preseason, like we, we did a bold predictions episode. Mine was like the bench would again be a, a top five lineup in the NBA in terms of plus minus. I was like, you, you have two like efficiency gods with, with IQ and Obi and, and you just spam that pick and roll and you have someone who can space the floor a little bit. You have Rose filling in. And, and basically, like, not, not that the bench has been horrible. It's still been better than the starting lineup. But I think that part has, has been underutilized. And in turn, the bench's efficiency has, hasn't been where I thought it would be. Yeah, I agree. Because, I mean, IQ for, you know, his faults this, this year, he still has that great, you know, acumen with Obi. They just, they have a way of figuring things. He's, he's probably the best lob thrower to Obi on the team. Mm. He looks for him, um, especially when Obi can seal down low. I think he's one of the few guards in the roster that actually like will seek him out a little bit when Obi does have that matchup where, you know, I know it's not a, a huge strength for him, but it's something that he's working on. And I think IQ will seek him out a little bit more than, than Brunson or Rose. Um, so yeah, I want to see, see more of that. I can't be too, uh, you know, perturbed by it because I think Obi spacing a little more has maybe opened his game up a little bit. And yeah. the fact that he is, you know, a volume, I know he didn't shoot great today, uh, tonight, but he's, his shooting has been a revelation in terms of where he was his, his first year, um, on this team. So, uh, but he's came into the league as a great dive man and a great lob catcher. And he can, he can catch lobs off two feet off one. So he's got that versatility, um, especially off one foot where the, the pass might be awry, but he can, by jumping off one, you have a little more range to, to catch that ball and, and finish it if it's not on target. So I want to see, see more of that, but then you have to make sure that's obviously going to be with a Hartenstein or a lineup with Randall in it, because you just with Mitch or a uh, Sims, you, you don't, you don't have the space for that sort of opportunity. So Definitely want to see more of that. And I, I would like to see more on-ball reps in general for IQ to see if that maybe 
get some out of his thumb because I think you hit on it. The wheels are turning right now. It's a confidence thing. It's a, hopefully it's a small sample size thing, but we need him playing better because um, he's just a really important part to this team right now. And for their future as a asset to put in a trade or just a guy that you want on your team for the next five to six years. So uh, you definitely need him playing a little bit better. Yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the rotation going forward. And, and maybe mm-hmm. if we get, Less of Rose down the road, but uh, we can touch on that in just a sec. Uh, we'll be back on Lockdown Knicks. All right, guys, it's that time again. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports. We've got you. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those. At Bet Online as well. They're going to put us out of business. Jeez. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. And they have some fun odds. I was feeling a little schadenfreude after that terrible game. So I pulled up odds on will Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving be on the Nets the whole season? Yes, minus 200. No, plus 150. The answer is no. Kyrie is gone. Kevin's going to demand a trade. The Nets that beat the Knicks tonight will not exist at some point if we're lucky. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online. It's where the game starts. All right, guys. Uh, back here with DJ Zulo. Uh, I want to I wanna talk uh, Evan Fournier a little bit because I thought this was another uh, pretty miserable night for him. And, mm-hmm. I mean, we were just touching on where the bench is struggling. And I'm slightly surprised that I, I kind of thought – yeah, like especially in, early in the year when I was not even early in the year in the preseason when I was advocating for Grimes, uh, I guess health, presuming health there that that hasn't come. Mm-hmm. Um, him being him being the starter in Fournier coming off the bench, like the whole argument was like, all right. I mean, it's kind of similar to what I was just saying about quickly, where this guy's grossly overqualified to be a bench player. Like he he's going to tear bench units to shreds. Like either as a secondary ball handler or a shooter. Like opposing benches won't know what hit him, and that has not been the case. Like still mm-hmm. looks. I mean, maybe part of it is that the bench is getting a lot of minutes against. The opposition starters but still looks completely out of sorts defensively um i was stunned to see that unless i misread it that he's still shooting 37 percent from three this year because the, the shot like i i can't remember him having really a great mm-hmm. night all season um and tonight was definitely not one of them uh between him and rose or, or maybe both of them maybe neither of them uh when uh and this is maybe presumptuous to me but when grimes is healthy um mm-hmm. knock on every piece of wood in your house uh yeah. do you expect both of those guys to be out of the rotation do you expect one of them to be out of the rotation, and what would be your preference on how the Knicks kind of sort out that log jam? Sure. So I, I think my preference-wise, it's definitely Fournier, and I think he's probably the more likely guy to – to. I, I mean, Tibbs has already kind of moved him down the pecking order. I think it would be a natural um, you know, thing for him to just move him farther, farther down the bench when uh, Grimes is healthy enough to play competitive minutes here. Um, yeah, he, he is shooting 37% from three. I just looked it up, which I agree. It's, it's shocking to see, see that number. <laughs> and he hit two threes, I think early on in, in his outing um, in the second quarter t- uh, tonight, but then he was getting cooked on defense by Seth Curry. So it was like, he was giving up more on the defensive end, which is, you know, par for the course. And I think the thing with him is like his defense has gotten, was always like not a, strength but he I, I don't recall him being so bad like I just thought like all right six foot six seven he's he's big enough to where he can kind of get in the way but it's it's gotten so bad this year that anything he's giving on the offense he's giving up twice as much on on defense so I I think you know Tibbs has already kind of shown his um, cards a little bit by moving him out of the starting lineup and 
I was happened to be watching the ESPN feed because I'm down in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. So um, it was the one available to me. So I'm listening to Jeff Van Gundy and he, and he kind of offhandedly states, you know, once Grimes was in the game late, that he's just, he should be the starter on this team or he views him as the starter. And I always think like whenever Van Gundy is saying something um, like that so definitively, like how much is he talking to Tibbs? What does he know? Like, you know, where's he getting that information from so I, I just noted that and I think that once Grimes is healthy I just think that this team needs his um defense but also is like his floor spacing is a is a is quite a skill as well but he doesn't space the floor then is a non-factor once a team closes out like he can really attack a closeout and he's really good at dump offs uh down low um when he can when he doesn't have the sh- uh, shot at the rim so I think his versatility on both ends of the court is really valuable and I think Tibbs until either Rose is off the team or there's a mutual understanding that it's just not working. I think he's going to continue running him out. Um, so I think that Fournier would, is probably going to be the guy. And I think he's the one that I, I just think he's given up too much on defense. So that would be my call as well. If I had, if I had the choice. Yeah. I think, I think when the Knicks signed Fournier, I expected something like a little bit closer to who Grimes is in terms of his ability to attack close up. I mean, you were looking at a guy who was a perennial mm-hmm. 20 point score in the NBA. I mean, you expect there to be, a little juice there, but I see a lot of the same stuff with him that I do with IQ. And I think a lot of it comes down to him just getting touches in different spots than he ever has in his career where he wasn't the person who got the outlet. Like he, he was usually the person like handling the ball mm-hmm. in Orlando, at least not that I watched a ton of those magic teams over the years, but that was, that was the gauge I had of Fournier. Yeah. And he was a secondary he, playmaker. Yeah. There, sure. I mean, it's him, yeah. it's him and Vucevic. Um, yeah. And, and there wasn't really ever like great point guard play there. So a lot of that fell on his shoulders and he did get a good enough job with it, but that mm-hmm. just hasn't translated all to New York where it's mostly like he's getting a kick out from Randall and then like has to kind of make a quick next decision. And maybe it's, it's Grimes's point guard background. And look, mm-hmm. we still, I mean, we just, we just haven't seen that much of Quentin Grimes in the NBA. So it's hard to say definitively, but what I have seen, I mean, to your point is like someone who's great at attack and closeouts. Like it has a real talent for interior passing. Like he, he mm-hmm. loves like making that like, like jump pass, like with his defender in the air, like slipping it under the defender's arm with like a little like reverse bounce to, to a Mitch or, or Jericho or Hartenstein or whoever's in there. I mean, to me, he just, he adds like we're, we're, what we're kind of hinting at, I think in the, in the first segment is like beyond just ball movement, like how does this team get more verve in the half court, which we saw the first couple of games in retrospect, maybe that was just a process of, of or a product of playing terrible defenses. I think Grimes like beyond like, like this is where my argument, even for him starting over Reddish is like, like he gives you better spacing and like reddish is like, like later in a shot clock, he can make stuff happen. But to me, he's still a little bit more meticulous than Grimes is. Grimes is more like an attack, like either pass or score and do it very quickly. And I think yeah. the starting lineup is starving for that. I agree with you. And I think reddish is a great skill is the fact that he's, he could really get, and Tibbs, I think mentioned this before it was either before the season or earlier this year, where he said that reddish getting downhill is a real uh, skill. And obviously the opening night game against Memphis, that he, he almost won the game for them with him as his rim reads um, attacking in transition. So that's something that he's just not going to get a ton of opportunities with the starting lineup. You know, Brunson is not a guy that's going to do that. Randall obviously is going to play a little bit slower. So I think you, you put reddish with a, a second unit that's going to naturally run more might help. And I, I just think Grimes is uh, his spacing and his defense. And um, I think reddish has been good defensively, but I think Grimes is just, I like him a little better because I just think he's more solid. Where Reddish can he can certainly make more plays in the passing lane, and his length is a a true skill and it's a, or a true talent that no other uh, player on the roster has at the wing position. So I get why he is so enticing as a defender, but I just think Grimes is a little more solid um, 
and and offensively, as you you mentioned, just a little more versatility in the half court, which this, the team needs a, a little more juice in that area. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in total. There, there's a solidity to Grimes, and it, mm-hmm. and this again maybe maybe talking out of my butt because who, who knows with Grimes? Like he just hasn't played that much in the NBA. But the sure. sense I get is there will be a consistency from night to night in, in terms of what he brings on the defensive end, in in terms of his shooting, in terms of his ability to attack closeouts. That I I think the starting lineup desperately mm-hmm. need they, they need something of a metronome and that, that's a lot to put on a second year player but I think any kind of stabilizing force beyond Jalen Brunson who I think is the only person in the starting lineup who's, who's I mean tonight aside who's relatively consistent um, I think that'll that'll do wonders for them and I, I again a lot to put on him but I, I think this team has the potential to look totally different if and when he's healthy we, we should note because we didn't like he he got in for just the final four mm-hmm. or five minutes tonight which I thought on I I, I guess it was just an attempt to like let him like acclimate and not flare up whatever's going on with his foot. Yeah. We still don't have a definitive thing on. Um, but what, what, what did you make of, of that? And, and yeah, we're, we're just kind of happy to see him out there again. Just happy to see him out there. He, you know, he seemed to move around, you know, got, he got through a couple of screens where he, he kind of had to put the, the gear into, you know, first and second gear a little bit. And then he, uh, he did make a catch and shoot three that was heavily contested. So he kind of did grime stuff in the couple of minutes he was there. Um, you know, hoping that we get the report or we don't get the report tomorrow, obviously that, you know, the, the foot flared up again, but yeah. um, d- definitely looking forward to him being at the point where he can play 15 to 25 minutes uh, on a consistent basis for sure. All right, DJ. Just, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, but before I let you go, can you just uh, tell everyone one final time where they can find all your great work? Yeah. Um, so Twitter at Ace Zulo, that's A-C-E underscore Z-U-L-L-O. Um, I do have a YouTube uh, channel that I just started uh, a few weeks ago now. So I do like player breakdowns. Uh, I did one uh, a couple of days ago on A.J. Griffin, who had a really big game against Milwaukee. So kind of took uh, the good and the bad, like an all possession look um, at him. Um, you could find the link to that on uh, my uh, Twitter account or just search the Craft NBA in your uh, YouTube uh, search bar. Um, but yeah, thank you, Gavin, for, uh, having me on, um, big fan of the show, been listening for, for a couple of years now. So thanks for, I really appreciate the opportunity. I'm, I'm, I'm flattered because you're, you're so much smarter about basketball than me. So that, uh, uh, that, no, I, mean, I, that, I learned a lot from you guys. That it sure. means a ton. Um, yeah, I was, I was going to say a mutual compliment society, but man, I, I get, I get mm. excited every, every time I see one of your tweets was like, all right, I'm going to like pick up like some nuance. Um, I, I don't, I don't have nearly the knowledge you have, but like big time shooting nerd, uh, my, my favorite part of the sport. So it's for, for mm-hmm. anyone who falls in the category, uh, DJ uh, at a Zulo again, uh, Z U L L O. You can see at the bottom of the graphic, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, just uh, yeah, a, a lot, a lot of good content on player shot mechanics and a lot of good Knicks observations in general, but that is it for this one. So uh, tune in next time, uh, subscribe, uh, please uh, throw some comments on YouTube, like either, Either your ire at what's happening with the Knicks, uh, excitement for stuff going forward, things to change. Uh, We appreciate it all on Lockdown Knicks. We'll talk to you soon. Peace out.